Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, as we find it written in the first epistle of John, reading there in the second chapter, beginning at the twelfth verse. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is nice seeing you here in God's house, and I hope that you are glad that you came. Today, you heard me mention, is known in the Christian church as Reminiscere Sunday, or the second Sunday in Lent. That's a Latin word. Reminiscere means remember. It's the first word in Latin of the intro for the day, which began, Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. And the word of God that I just read is very appropriate for this Sunday and for this season of the church year. As you notice, it is taken out of the first letter of John, the beloved disciple. He wrote it as far as we know when he was at Ephesus in Asia Minor about the year 90, over 50 years since Jesus had come and had suffered and died and had risen from the dead. And we find John writing to the Christians of his day, writing to the little children, writing to the young men, writing to the fathers, in fact, to those who were in Christ in the Christian church of his day, even as from the same word of God he is speaking to you and to me this morning. And John says this, the beloved disciple, to those of us who love God and who expect to be saved, he says, you who love God and expect to be saved and expect to spend eternity in heaven, John says, I plead with you and I call upon you and I beg you, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Please, I ask you, John says, if you love God and you expect to go to heaven, don't love the world. Don't wrap your hearts around the world and the things that are wicked in this world, the world's sinful pleasures, its sinful joys, its sinful attractions. Don't indulge in the sinful things of the world. Please, I beg you, John says, you who love God and expect to be saved, and I wonder what kind of a reaction we get sometimes when we hear again from the Word of God the call coming to us, especially this morning from John, saying, if you love God and you expect to go to heaven when you die, then don't love the world with all of its sinful things, its wicked joys and its wicked attractions and allurements. Don't indulge in them. And I wonder sometimes whether we may not say, why not, John? 
Why, why can't we love the world? We may say to ourselves, after all, John, don't you realize that we can do both? I wonder how many of us as Christians say to ourselves, well, I've got this thing beat. I've got this thing figured out. Uh, John says, if you love God and expect to be saved, then don't love the world. I wonder how many of us say, well, uh, John doesn't know it, but you can do both. I found out I've got a scheme. I've got a system. Uh, you've got to be pretty smart. You've got to be pretty shrewd. You've got to be pretty clever. But I wonder how many say, well, John, I'm doing both. I can love God and I expect to go to heaven and I can love the world and I can indulge in all of its sinful pleasures and I can still be saved. John, I'm doing both. I've got a system. I'm pretty clever. It takes a little shrewdness, John, but if you know how to work it, you can have your bread or your cake and you can eat it too, John, if you only knew. I wonder how many of us are saying, I love God and I expect to go to heaven. But I also love the world. I've got my heart wrapped around the sinful things of this earth and I know that I'm going to be saved. I've got a system. I've got a plan. It's pretty clever, but when you work this thing out, you can have your cake and you can eat it too. But John, this morning, when he says to those of us who love God and expect to be saved, John says, listen, friend, I call upon you and I plead, love not the world. Don't wrap your hearts around the evil things of the world because John will assure you and me, you just can't do both. Any attempt, John tells you and me, to try to do both, to love God and to love the world at the same time, John says it can only result in one thing, and that is the eternal separation of your soul from God in hell. John says it just can't be done. You can't do both. And you and I may say, I don't know why not. I'm doing it. I've learned. I've got a scheme. I've got a plan. If you're shrewd and if you're really clever enough, you can, you can do both. You can love God and be saved. And you can love the world and indulge in all of its sinful joy. Sure you can. But John says, listen, Christian. You can't do both. It's an utter impossibility. Any attempt to do both means no less than an eternity in hell for your soul. You and I may say, is that true? Can't you do both? Can't you in this case love God and love the world and drink in and indulge in all of its sinful pleasures and at the same time you say, oh, there must be a way. And you and I may say, well, I'm clever. I, I've got a scheme. I've got a plan. John says to you and me this morning, listen, friend, it's an utter impossibility. Any attempt to do both means the damnation of your soul because in the first place he reminds you and me that loving God and expecting to be saved means this, that you and I have turned to Christ and we have asked him to deliver us from the guilt and punishment of our sins and also from its power. What does it mean to love God in your life and mine? What does it mean if you and I love God and really want to be saved? Doesn't it mean this? It means that you and I have turned to Jesus Christ and we have admitted that we're sinners and we have admitted that our sins damn us to hell. And it means that we have turned to him and we have said, I put my faith in you as my Savior. You came into the world as my Savior and you died on the cross and you bore hell and damnation for me. You paid that price and I'm asking you, Will you deliver me as my Savior from the guilt and the damnation of sin? 
That's what it means to love God. It means to turn to Jesus Christ, doesn't it? But it means more than that. It means more if you and I love God and expect to be saved. It not only means to turn to Christ and say, Listen, because you died for me and I put my trust in you, please deliver me from hell. And Jesus says, All right. But it also means that we say to him, If we really love God, and deliver me from the power of sin. Oh, Jesus, give me strength that when sin comes to me with its power and its temptations, give me the strength that I can say no to Satan when he tempts me, lest I fall back into condemnation and that I'm damned again. Give me the strength to say no that I'm not like a dog that turns back to its vomit. That's what it means to love God and expect to be saved. No wonder John says, listen, friend, you may say, I can love God and I can love the world and indulge in all of its sinful pleasures. I've got this thing beat. I've got a system. I'm clever. I'm smart. And John says, you can't do both. Really, you can't. If you attempt it, it means the damnation is so wide because trying to do both, if I say I love God and I turn to Christ, and I say, deliver me from the power of sin. Deliver me from its damnation. And then I turn and I love the world. I am saying what? From one corner of my mouth, I am saying, Christ, deliver me from the damnation of sin and from its power. And from the other corner of my mouth, I am saying, Jesus, because I am loving the world, deliver me from the damnation of sin, but not from its power. I want to keep on sinning. I want to live as a child of hell, but I want you to save me from hell. That's the plan. Oh, we're clever, aren't we? Oh, we're so clever, we say, you've got to be smart. You've got to be shrewd. You can beat this thing. You can have your cake, your bread, and eat it too. Sure you can, if you know how. To talk out of one corner of the mouth and say, deliver me, Lord Jesus, from eternal damnation and from the power of sin and out of the other side of our mouth to say, but again, I only want you to deliver me from hell. I don't want to go to hell, but I don't want you to deliver me from the power of sin. I want sin to have power over me. I want to go out and indulge in all the sinful pleasures of the earth, but I want you to save me. John says it can't be done. To attempt to do it, John says, it means the loss of our soul. And we ought to realize that, that when John says to you and me this morning, you who love God and you expect to be saved, uh, let me tell you, John says, please don't love the world. Don't wrap your heart around the wicked things of this earth because, John says, you can't do both. It's an utter impossibility. If you attempt it, there isn't any scheme. There isn't any plan. If you attempt to do it, it means the loss of your soul. What else could Christ do but damn you and me when we say to him, save me from hell, Jesus, but let me live the way I want to live. Don't stop me. I want to live as a child of hell, but you save me. What kind of double talk is that? But, oh, we got a scheme and we got a plan. How many of us say to ourselves, oh, I, I got a way. You can have your cake and eat it too. But John doesn't know. I'm clever. I've got a system if you work it. And we ought to say to ourselves on this Remembrance Sunday that we ought to, this is the Sunday that I will remember in my life when I will heed the call of John. Because I love God and I want to go to heaven, John says, love not the world. This is the day when I'm going to say that I will not wrap my heart around the wicked joys 
and the delights of this world and its attractions. I am, this is the day when I'm saying I'm going to hate that I'm not going to love the world. And then you and I will determine to know and to say to ourselves, where did all this wickedness come from? It was Mark Twain, you know, who hated God with a vengeance, with all of his humor. He was a blasphemer of the worst rank. He said, one, what kind of a God is God that would put us into this world and have a world with all of its delights and all of the things that attract and then to tell us, no, you can't do that. You see, he was blaming evil on God. But John, when he wrote to the Christians of his day, said, oh, all that you find in the world, the lust of the heart and the lust of the eye and the allurements of the world, he says, that's not of the Father. Evil didn't have its beginning in God. And when you and I turn to the Word of God and we say, how did this world get so dirty, stinking as it is? And God, when he made it, he looked at it and said, behold, it is very good. But again, God created angels, he tells us, with the freedom of the will. And one of them, Satan, rebelled against God. You and I can understand how he did, but he used his free will. And he rebelled against God, and he became the father, therefore, of evil. And then he tempted our first parents in the Garden of Eden. And our first parents went down in defeat because Satan's aim was to see them damned, even as he knows that he is damned. Evil came into the world not from God. God created this world in righteousness and in holiness. And when you and I say, I'm not going to love the world, God didn't put evil in this world. It was Satan who is the father of lies and the father of evil. And evil has come and he aims to damn my soul. And when we say, this is the Sunday that I shall remember when I'm not going to love the world. I'm going to stop wrapping my heart around evil things in this life and indulging in them. Because this world is evil. It didn't come this way from God. A Satan, and he's out after my soul to damn me. He has no conscience. And when you and I can realize the source of evil, then we're going to comfort ourselves in saying, I thank God that God sent Christ into the world. Oh, when our first parents sinned right then and there in the Garden of Eden, God promised a Savior. The seed of the woman would come and would crush the serpent's head. And Christ came because he knew that it was the only way that he would come into the world, this world that had fallen into sin, and he would not only deliver us from hell and damnation, from the guilt of sin, but from its power of sin. Thank God we've got a Christ. When we turn to him and we love God and we want to be saved, who says, I will give you power to deliver you from hell and power to deliver you from sin, that you'll not fall back into the very damnation from which I have delivered you. John today calls to you and me through the word of God. And he said, if you love God and you expect to go to heaven, then John says, I plead with you, don't love the world. Don't wrap your heart strings around the things of this earth that are wicked, the wicked again, joys and the wicked allurements, John says, and indulge in them. And you and I may say, why not? Why not do both of them? We may pride ourselves at times and say, oh, I'm clever. I've got this thing worked out. This is a system if you know how. You can do both and you can still be saved. Sure you can. And John says, listen, friend, you can't do both. They are diametrically opposed one to another. You simply can't do both in any attempt to do both. It means, John says, no less than eternal damnation for your soul in hell. It can't be done because in the second place, John reminds us, 
that if we love God, and that means that we expect to be saved, that that means that you and I turn to Jesus Christ and every day we truly repent of our sins. If you and I love God and we really want to be saved, uh, then every day we have time when we turn and we truly repent. You may say, preacher, what do you mean by true repentance? Oh, it means more than turning to Jesus each day and saying, I'm sorry. Sometimes we say to ourselves, well, repentance just means telling you're sorry. Oh, that isn't repentance. You and I may say, but it means to turn to him and say, I'm greatly sorry. Oh, my, my sorrow is deep. That's not repentance. That's not the acid test. You and I may say, why, turning to Jesus and repenting every day, it means to tell him you're sorry, to tell him, oh, you're dreadfully sorry, and you may even cry and shed a few tears. That's not repentance. Whoever told you and me, that's repentance. What's the acid test of repentance? It isn't just saying I'm sorry or I'm greatly sorry and distressed. It isn't shedding tears. The acid test of repentance, if you and I love God and want to be saved, is this, that every day we turn to him and we say, Jesus, I'm sorry enough for the things that I've done wrong. I'm sorry enough to quit doing what is wrong. That's the acid test. And if you and I love God and we expect to be saved, it means that every day in your life and mine we turn to Jesus Christ and we say, I'm sorry, sorry enough to quit. I'm done with doing those things today that are wrong. I am quitting those that's wrong and I'm sorry enough to quit. That's the acid test. And then, is it any wonder that John says, you can't do both. You can't love God and be saved and at the same time love the world and wrap your heart around the evil joys of life because what does that mean? It means that out of one side of your mouth and mind we say to God, I'm sorry enough to quit. And then out of the other side of our mouth when we are loving the world and we've got our heart wrapped around the sinful pleasures, we are looking at Jesus and we're making a fool out of him. We're shaming and disgracing him. We're making him out to be a chump. We are saying to him, listen, all I need to do to you, chump, is to say I'm sorry. And I'm sorry, and then I know you forgive me. You aren't smart, Jesus. You aren't very bright, and I hope you don't wake up. I'm playing you for a sucker. I just tell you every day I'm sorry, and I know you forgive me because you don't know any better, and I'll go on living like a child of hell, and I'll still be saved. That's this great plan, you know, that some of us have. I've got a system. Is that your system and mine? They would say, you, you, you can get around him. Play him for a fool. Make a monkey out of him. Just play him because he doesn't know any better. Don't tell him. Just say you're sorry. I'm sorry. And you may even cry once in a while. That goes over big with him. And then tell him you're, oh, deeply sorry. And then just go right on because he, he forgives you just like that. And you can go on live to the world. Go ahead. And you can be saved. Talking out of one side of the mouth and the other. John says, what do you think you're doing? You mean to say you can have your cake and eat it too? 
John says you can't do both. I plead with you, if you love God and you expect to be saved, please don't love the world and indulge in the sinful pleasures of the world. John says you can't do both. If you attempt to do it, I don't care how smart you think you are, how clever you are, how shrewd you are, you can't have your cake and eat it too. It just doesn't go. You and I can't turn and tell Jesus on the one hand that we're sorry enough to quit and on the other hand playing for a fool. You don't play him for a fool without losing your soul. And it ought to be on this Remembrance Sunday today then that we ought to say, this is the time when I realize, again, I may have a clever little scheme. It may be a nice little plan. I may have got it all worked out and I wish others were just as clever as I am that I've got it all doped out. I can love God and I know I'm going to be saved and I can love the world and I can do them both. And uh, Jesus doesn't know he forgives me. All I do is say sorry. It's a magic word. No, you do. Just a magical formula and everything's all right. And I'll go on and live. I'm forgiven every day and he doesn't care because he, oh, he just likes to do it that way. And we ought to determine in his way, say, I'm not going to love the world. Why well, look at the world and say, why should I love the world? Why should I indulge? There's nothing that the world has to offer that satisfies, does it? If we'd only learn that after all we wrap our hearts around the sinful things of life, they don't satisfy. It's just like a thirst that can never be quenched, isn't it? If we're ever living in a day when Satan is tempting and say, come on, love the world. Here is joy. Here is what you're looking for. What happens when we again wrap our hearts around the pleasures of the world? We talk about immorality. We talk about immorality and we talk about incest. We said, so the world says, come on, you haven't lived until you've become promiscuous. You haven't lived until you've thrown it all over. And then we go out and what happens? Oh, the world says, well, now, after this thing, you've got to have more, and you've got to have more, and you've got to have your hair. Going to smoke marijuana, you've got to have something a little stronger. And on and on, it doesn't satisfy. Oh, it gives a momentary pleasure, but if there's the longing, there's the thirst, you've got to have it more. And we go out, and then what's happened? You go, again, our cinemas say, well, now, uh, it's got to be seamy now. You've got to play the lesbian, you've got to play the homosexual, and you've got to play the seamy side of sex. You've got to play the deviant and you've got to have them in the nude and you've got to have them topless. And on and on, it's never satisfying. And oh God, again, you talk about rapings and we talk about muggings and we talk about stealings. When you get on the dope racket, you know you've got to have money. And the only way you can have money is either sell yourself or go out and steal it, isn't it? And we say, what's happening? Why? Because loving the world, it just doesn't satisfy, but oh God, the wrecks. Doctors are telling us that venereal disease amongst our young folks, you young boys and girls in high school, it's epidemic proportions right now. The price. The homes that are broken up because either a husband or a wife have gone to the world and said, ah, this thing of sex, this thing of immorality, this is the thing. Only to find out it never satisfies. You've got to go on. It's a thirst that's never satisfied. We add up all the sufferings and then the loss of a soul. The final loss of the soul in damnation 
Or we can just stop and say, look at the cost of trying to do both. It can't be done. Yet we say, oh, I'm clever. I've got a system. I've got this thing all worked out. Though, again, if we realize the cost of it. Young friends, it's a tremendous cost for the loss of a soul. What shall it profit a man if he'll gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Says you can't do it. You can't beat this thing. John says again, if you love God and want to be saved, you can't love the world. It can't be done. You can't do both. It can only result if you try it, smart as you may think you are, that you can beat this thing. You can't beat it. You can't have your cake and eat it too. It results in the loss of your soul. And oh, to have the comfort of knowing uh, that when, again, we love God and we know we can't love the world, to have Jesus Christ, to know that we are saved from an eternity of hell. The hell of hell is the lust of the heart and of the soul going on forever, never gratified and yet regret. That's the hell of hell. Oh, John says, love God, and if you love him, don't love the world. You can't do both, John says. If you attempt to do it again, it just can't be done. For the simple reason John said it's going to end in hell because if we love God and we expect to be saved, it means just that we turn to Jesus Christ every day and we ask him to give us strength that each day will be a new man or a new woman. That like as he died and rose again to newness of life, that we say, give me the strength as I, again, live God and love you and expect to be saved. Let me be a new man today, newer than I was yesterday, growing in grace. This is what we say. And yet, if we say to ourselves, well, I can do both and I can love the world and I can indulge in the world's sinful pleasures, then out of the other side of our mouth we are turning to Christ and we're saying, listen, Jesus, after all, the only reason I want to go to heaven, it's the lesser of two evils. I really don't want to go to heaven, but I'd rather go to heaven than hell. And I know I'm going to be bored stiff in heaven, living as a child of God. I really don't want to go. I love it this way and loving the world, but uh, take me to heaven and I'll put up with it, even though I'll be bored stiff. If you and I want to go to heaven only because we don't want to go to hell and it's just the lesser of two evils and we're going to be bored stiff there, Jesus says, don't worry, you'll not be bored there. You won't be there because you can't do both. We ought to say to ourselves then, I wonder how many of us have had a plan, a little system. You know, it, it's just sort of a fool's paradise, isn't it? We say, why? Well, I, I can love God. I love him. I'm going to be saved, but I can love the world. I can go out and I can indulge in all the things of the world. And I know that I'm going to be saved because I've got a system. I'm clever. I'm smart. Oh, yes, I'm really shrewd. And if that happens to be it, we ought to say to Jesus Christ, if we have loved the world, We've run the gamut of it all. We've come to the place where we say, I need him. So to God that we'll return to him and ask him to forgive, to deliver us from hell, to give us strength and power against sin. We may say, well, isn't it too late? Isn't it too late? If I haven't needed him, how many of us said, well, I don't need Christ really. I get along fine. We don't need an umbrella on a sunny day, do we? Though when it starts to rain, sometimes we need it. When sickness comes, 
then we need help. I think of a man by the name of George Romney. George Romney was a great artist in England. And in his youth, he fell in love with a young maiden. She lived in the northern part of England, and he married her. He had great capabilities of an artist. And one of his peers told him when he heard that he was married, he said, oh, oh, what a tragedy to think, Romney, that you got married, that you've got a wife and she will be of no help to you. You have a future. You have talent. And George Romney left his wife. And he went to London. And his one passion was his brush. It was artistry. And he did make good. His portraits that George Romney painted in the last century, they still bring thousands of dollars. He came to his own as an artist. He didn't need that wife that he had left. He didn't need her at all. Until when he was in his late 60s, his health broke and he got sick. Then came need. Then he thought of a girl that he left his wife up in the north of England. He wondered about it. And he went back. He went back to her and he pled with her. Would you take me back? I need you. And that wife that he had forsaken, that he didn't need, she was in the way. She took him back. She nursed him. She nursed him until he died in her arms. George Romney. He needed her. She took him back. Sometimes you and I say, I can't go back. I haven't needed Jesus Christ for years in my life. I've lived in the world. He, he won't take me back. Oh, yes, he will. He's like George Romney's wife. He will say to you and me, I need you. I want you. When you and I need him and we want him, it isn't too late. He will say, listen, son, daughter, I, I've got a magnificent obsession. You say I'm crazy at one time. I am, but I'm gloriously crazy. Oh, the craziness of my life is to forgive you if you really repent and you're sorry enough to quit. If you really want me to save you from the guilt and the punishment and the power of sin, Oh, I'm, I'm gloriously, I'm hopelessly a forgiving Jesus. And he will wash your soul and mine whiter than snow. If we need him, he's always ready that you and I can find the joy in this life of living as children of heaven, getting ready for heaven, and the joy of an eternal life, standing before the throne of God in the eternal bliss of heaven, looking at him and saying, Oh, Jesus, what a God you are. How great thou art. How great thou art. How great thou art. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, unto life everlasting.